Welcome back to The Obsessed Marketer, the podcast designed for you, the small business owner looking to jumpstart your business and learn quick marketing strategies that you can take with you to increase your sales, reach, and growth. I'm Andrew Hayes, and joined with me again today, Megan Van On. How's it going? Good. How are you, Andrew? Good. Nice to be back with you in the uh, virtual Hello. podcast studio again. I love being here. <laughs> well, we are joined today also in the... Um, virtual podcast uh, studio as well by a um, Miss Annabelle Jones. How's it going today? Awesome. So happy to be here. Yes. Welcome in. And so Annabelle, do you want to just go ahead right off the bat and just kind of explain who you are, what you do, you know, the gist? Sure. Absolutely. And I promise to keep it short because um, <laughs> my bio is absolutely the least uh, important part of this. So um, my role is I'm the leader of an omni-channel marketing team here at Bandwidth, which is a global communication software company. Um, you've probably never heard of us, but you have heard of the people we work with, like the Ubers, the Zooms, the Microsofts of the world. Um, and we're on a mission to solve telecomplexity. And yes, that word is made up, but the problem is real. Um, and <laughs> companies are always looking, you know, to deliver exceptional experiences. Doesn't matter the size. Um, and so that's what we do. We do that with voice messaging, um, APIs and 911 solutions. That's what we do. And my role at Bandwidth is to um, run those big omni-channel marketing campaigns, um, which is why I'm so excited to talk to y'all today about creativity, because I think we've all had those moments when uh, we're trying to reinvigorate something that we've done in the past, or we're just looking for a new idea to kickstart um, whatever product or service we need to, to sell um, that quarter or year. Can I just go back and say, I love the tagline, the word is absolutely made up, but the problem is real. <laughs> That's marketing. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and it's, it's, oh my gosh, isn't that the job though? Like we got to uh, find some joy in the true complexity of our, of our jobs. Um, I was listening to another podcast this morning that uh, it's like marketers aren't artists, we're artisans. So mm-hmm. like you want a bookshelf to be useful, but you also need it to be beautiful and attractive at the same time, or otherwise you wouldn't put it in your house. It's what we do. I love so. that analogy. It's so true. So on that note, Annabelle, like, why should people even care about creativity? I know this is a huge uh, debate in our agency, sort of managing the, the bridge between right brain and left brain. We've got people that are... Um, literally colorblind and also figuratively colorblind. And we've got people who never like to look at data, hate math, can't add two and two. So how, why does creativity matter when it comes to marketing? You know, I thought about this a lot before um, coming on your, your podcast. And I really think it's boils down to the fact that we all appreciate a good idea. And that's essentially, at least to me, what creativity is. It's like the mixing of topics that you might not normally put together, um, or you would put them together, but you need them to go together in a new and different way. And that could be your strategy, your channel, your concept, or even something as mundane as how you're presenting the same report to your higher ups or to a client. Um, And I think if you're a performance marketer, you're consistently looking for a way to differentiate, you know, probably your brand, your company. um, And creativity is, I think, that edge um, that gets you there a lot of the time. 
Yeah, totally agree. I, I know for someone who like myself who appreciates creativity, that's that's usually my angle. I know a lot of times uh, the more left brain folks are like, but where's the ROI on creativity? And I think it's just, it's hard to put your finger on, but it's absolutely there. It's just a bit more intangible. I was going to say that I actually think that leaning into creativity helps with the ROI. Um, and I think that sometimes that's where the strategy portion comes in, where you're trying to be creative about what your mix is. And can you answer the question, um, is the the omni-channel approach more effective. Um, and I think, you know, at the end of the day, too, we're all people. If you're B2B or B2C, you're selling to a person. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> at the end of the day, like, you don't want someone to sell to you in a monotone, boring way. You want to be engaged. And I think creativity is part of that puzzle. But Andrew, I'm, I want to hear what you have to say, too. Well, do you ever in your team, right, if you're leading your team, ever have that issue where you're seeing a bit of conflict between like left side brain people, right side brain people, creativity versus numbers? Um, Yes. And I think that that natural friction is so valuable because if you are leaning too far one way, you're completely in the numbers. I think sometimes you can lose authenticity or humanity in what you're doing and you're, you're kind of seeing the trees but not the forest and the converse is also true if you're too um i don't want to say too creative but you're too up in the sky thinking like what if but no one's saying we don't have the budget for that or <laughs> you know the data doesn't support that then you can't articulate why what either one of you um, is doing really matters. Um, And I'm a big, big, big proponent. We call it editorial friction here at Bandwidth. Um, And I think that it ultimately, that's where the iron sharpens iron is when you have those conversations. What what is editorial friction for you guys? How would you define that? Oh, (laughs) it's another term we've made up here at Bandwidth. Um, I think my it's having those conversations where you do not agree with potentially the strategy or the approach that someone else is taking and you have to articulate beyond the subjective, I don't like that, Um, which is where, Andrew, you're talking about those people who are in the data. Um, Can I look in, um, you know, Domo or Power BI and look at this data and tell Does it tell a story? Is there a reason why I am really going to lean in heavily on LinkedIn ads this quarter versus, I don't know, um, doing kind of a guerrilla approach on Reddit? There's a reason for that. Um, And it has to be beyond the gut. But I also think that your natural instincts as a marketer as you go through your career should not be ignored. Mm. Um, Experience is a great teacher. And I think we, we often say like, well, I do or do not like that. Um, and we think it's subjective, but very often it's experience, I think, coming into your brain and guiding you. Um, Love it. That's a so good to me, it's having those conversations. Yeah. You guys are coming up with great terms for uh, things that otherwise escape. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, it's not our primary business, but maybe it's something we should explore. Yeah. Um, I'd hustle. <laughs> Have someone write an AI uh, program for it and slap up a domain and <laughs> let's go. <laughs> yeah. Monetize the heck out of it. Here we go. Exactly. Love that. Get it added right. to chat GPT. Um, yes. but, so Annabelle, I kind of want to shift this over to when we're, when we're being creative, um, 
how does your brainstorming process work with your team? That's such a great story. Um, <laughs> I think brainstorming is something that people, uh, man, they can get really, really right or they can get really, really wrong with a team. There are two things that really go wrong. One is there's the wrong people in the room who are participating in the brainstorming session. Um, and to me, that really comes down to chemistry um, and also there are two other big things that happen. Um, one is something called anchoring, where you really converge on the first few ideas as if they are the best you're going to get. And that's really not the point of brainstorming. Um, and that can really often happen when you're having unbalanced conversations. So you might have people like me who are extroverts in the room who can take up a lot of space and keep talking and talking and talking um, and coming up with new words and terms for things. And then you might have someone who's a little bit more introverted who needs time to think. Um, and they may be the ones who actually come up with the absolute best idea, but the conversation was unbalanced. Um, and that can also happen when you have more junior and more senior people in the room and the junior person doesn't want to go out on a limb and suggest something um, because they don't want to look ill-informed. Like nobody wants to look stupid in front of their boss. Yeah. Or if you're new, you don't want to look like you haven't been paying attention to all the trainings you've been having. <laughs> so um that is the the first thing that um, I've noticed has gone wrong. And then the second is um, when you're thinking about putting together a strategy for um, a product launch or whatever it may be, you think about your channel mix, right? Like you, you're not going to use some channels here and other channels there for a reason. There are different techniques for different things that you need to get out of a brainstorm. Um, so, I see that happen a lot too. Um, and then awkward silences happen a lot where as a facilitator, you're not maybe coming in and helping the team along, which um, we can definitely talk about. That could be a whole podcast in and of itself. <laughs> um, and then lack of planning and follow through. Um, I think we all think that we can just jump into a room and start brainstorming and writing things on a, a whiteboard. And yes, you can absolutely do that if you need to just get your ideas out. But doing some planning on the front end can really combat a lot of those um, common pitfalls and also help you on the back end when you need to follow through on an idea, um, which is if you've asked people to be a part of whatever session you've put together and you don't follow through, you've essentially wasted their time, which is, let's be honest, the ultimate luxury in life. Mm -hmm. So um, those are my two big things that I always see go wrong. Okay, so let's just like review those really quick. You had the wrong people in sure. the room. You yes. are not using the correct techniques for the goals of the brainstorming session. And three, just a complete lack of planning or lack of follow through. So those would be your top yep. things that can go wrong in a brainstorming session. Yep, that's it. A plus, gold star. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what should we do? For a brainstorming session so i think like the first thing is have the right people in the room um and that really means that you have to know your team really well so you probably know even if you're a small team maybe you've got seven people total um you know which ones probably are the strongest in the room and i think um those are always good people to pull in they might be uh, the ones who don't edit themselves, which those are the, always the best people in a brainstorm because you shouldn't be editing, editing yourself. Um, and then planning. Why are you bringing people into the room? I think having an agenda is just 
respectful um, and letting people know in advance that you're looking for ideas on this product or this campaign or whatever it may be, um, that can really combat for folks who aren't comfortable speaking up, um, but you know have great ideas to, to let them start to think beforehand. Um, and I don't know about you both or anybody listening, but I context switch all day long. So getting in the right frame of mind to think creatively is a big part of um, the brainstorming process. And if you have a little bit of a leg up, that can really make a difference. So I just um, want to dive into that just a little bit. Um, sure. With, you know, so how do you know then? what kind of people should be in the brainstorming session then, right? So, you know, is it based on, um, you know, what project we're doing at the time, you know, that maybe we should maybe bring in some more headstrong people, you know, versus some introverted people, you know, how do you kind of decide that ratio? So I, that's a, such a great question. So if I were brand new to an organization, let's pretend this is my, I don't know, first 90 days, and then we're launching a new product, I definitely want a solution marketer or product marketer there. Um, I think those folks tend to be a little bit more technical and it's good to get them to A, practice these skills, but B, if you have any questions or the group has questions about the particulars of something, I think it's always great to have them. I always like to have a content person there. Um, they tend to naturally be a little bit more creative. Um, words are their media. so they tend to get into it pretty quickly. If you have a creative director, especially if you're at an agency or you happen to have someone who has a background in graphic design or a videographer, um, those people tend to be very strong. I don't think that you should have more than, I think max for me is usually mm, six people to brainstorm. Um, and that's one, because you give everybody the opportunity to contribute and you get to dissect their ideas um, with them. But also at some point, like, I don't know how to say, I feel like at some point the media becomes so big that it's unruly and you're going to get less done. Um, mm. I think we've all been in meetings where it was like, so many people were not really not everybody is listening and participating at the same level, what you really need. Um, and then the longer you're there, I think you get to know people. And if anybody ever raises their hand and says, I want to be a part of a brainstorm, I, I tend to just invite them. Um, Cause it's, it's like anything, it's a skill. And if anybody is raising their hand to be a part of something, I always want to make sure I'm including them. Does that answer your question, Andrew? It does answer. Yes, it does. Yeah. With the regards to the number of people, I think introverts, I'm not an introvert, but introverts in particular function better in a slightly smaller group too, because they feel that they have a little bit more agency to speak up. There's a little bit more air in the room, whether, you know, all of a sudden you've got a dozen people in the room. And even if there's just three or four of those are extroverts or extreme extroverts, that doesn't leave a lot of room for the introverts. So I think uh, also back to your point about like the agenda and planning, um, we sometimes underestimate the power of introverts. I don't know if either of you have ever read that book uh, called Quiet, the power mm -hmm. of introverts in a noisy world or something like that. I'll, we'll grab the title and put it in the show notes. But, um, you know, it really helps me to understand that introverts need like a little bit more time sometimes. And they'll come with like the most dynamite ideas because they've really like, 
stopped talking and thinking about it uh, and give it a lot of thought from every angle, but they sometimes need a little bit, you know, 24 hours to sit with an agenda to develop some really creative thoughts around it. For sure. And Andrew, you know, something else in terms of picking the right people, um, if you are new or you just aren't familiar with a team or you're, you're, you're just trying to think about the right mix, I would think about people who you know know your customer really, really well. Mm-hmm. They tend to contribute beautifully in brainstorms. Um, and you really, right, if you're running anything like relating to marketing, you need people in the room who really can um, represent the voice of the customer. I also think you need people in the room who leave their ego at the door because your idea may not be the best. It may actually end up being one of the ones that you immediately scrap. <laughs> um, and I think that's kind of a learned skill for most humans. We all want to think that our ideas are, are the best. Um, and if you, well, I think people who consistently consume pe- other people's content. So they're listening to podcasts like this or they're um, part of Slack channels where they're learning new things or they're always going after new certifications. I think those are really valuable people to have in the room because they're interested in things beyond the echo chamber of their own mm-hmm. company or department. Um, and then finally, if you have someone who you know, may slack here and there, like, Hey, I really liked what our competitor was doing. Maybe we can Mm -hmm. try this next time. That's usually a a leading indicator that they're a good person to include. Now I'm going to throw something at you that I think we had another guest on the podcast before that gave me this bit of advice. And I want to see what you think if it's, if it's valid or not. Um, Uh (laughs) I was told that it's always good in a brainstorming session to have somebody that will be the, um, not the mediator, but the person that will disagree on purpose, basically finding the other side of things. Um, would you say that that's still necessary? Maybe in, in you know, in brainstorming or what, what would you say? Um, so I'm going to say yes. And that's going to be my improv answer. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I think the role of <laughs> the role of the facilitator when you're doing so there are multiple different times of types of brainstorming um, when you're really trying to get people going that's divergent so you're not editing yourself I think that the role of the facilitator in divergent brainstorming is to keep that kind of brain wave of ideas going with whatever technique they've decided however when you have gotten to a place where the you know you're done playing, you know, crazy eights or three musketeers, or you're, you're done doing all the brain writing. I think that it's so valuable to have that person poke holes in whatever it is, or throw up a red flag and say, you know, I don't think the customer is going to like that, or it's going to, you know, not achieve what we're looking for. And I think that on the back end, when you're distilling down or deciding which ideas are the best or to iterate upon, that's really, really, really valuable. So yes, and is my short answer. So that okay. might be a good person go. just- through on the follow through then. Yeah, or um, I would, you know what, I would even bring that person in when let's say you've, you've run your brainstorm and you've picked your ideas and something that I think is, a good approach is once you've all finished, have them people go through and vote or upvote ideas 
um, whatever you settle on. That one I've noticed creates great buy-in when you're needing people to activate it later, whether it's graphic design or the web or whatever it may be. They feel like they've not only contributed ideas, but they've said this is the best one or one of the best ones. But that person that you're talking about, Andrew, that would be a great person to pitch the best, let's see, three ideas to and let them poke holes in it. So then not only have you gotten your people to be creative together, you've gotten their buy-in, they're excited about the ones that rose to the top, they can be part of the pitching um, and you're pitching internally. So that's great practice in and of itself, but then they can be the ones to be like, you know what, out of all of these, this is the one that I think is the best and here's why. And then that kind of brings us back full circle to that editorial friction, right? Where you can have those meaningful conversations too. Um, so I think you can guess that we we do a lot of talking at bandwidth about ideas <laughs> and things of that nature. But um, actually something I do want to give a shout out to my team. We have a fantastic team here, but we actually have a weekly meeting where we look at other people's work and we dissect it. So why is this ad good or why is this campaign good or what makes it bad even um, so that we are applying the same filters to other people's work that we would to ourselves. Um, and I think that also keeps people fresh and making sure that we're, you know, trying new things out and failing, which I also think is a really big, important part of the creative process. Oh yeah. I love to fail. <laughs> that's a only shirt. Because, you know, I, I love to fail just so I learn because it's like that. I'm one of those people that only learns if I really, you know, if I, if I fail, you know, that's how I learn. But yeah, you can't be afraid to, um, but I think that's also a learned skill. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's tough. It goes to check in your ego at the door. But okay, so now that we've talked a lot about um, kind of picking the right people to be in the brainstorming session, Megan, you you um, have kind of the lay down here. What are we going on to next? Okay, so I'd love to talk about some brainstorming techniques and shout out to Annabelle because this is the whole reason that Annabelle, I wanted to invite Annabelle to be on the podcast. We're part of this um Slack community um, that's focused around growth marketing. And she was just like kind of sharing some ideas about, you know, how she gets the creative juices of flowing for her team. And she had some just really cool ideas of how to do brainstorming. And, you know, I've been doing brainstorming things for years. I used to be an elementary school teacher. So like brainstorming is very familiar to me, but Annabelle's got some really cool techniques that I'd never heard of before. So I'd love to have you share those with our listeners. <laughs> um, I will share the ones that I use the most. There are a ton out there. Um, but one that we use, some people call it brain writing. I call it crazy eights where you come in a room Hopefully you've told people what you're going to do and you ask them to write down, sometimes it's three, sometimes it's five ideas. Um, and basically I, I give people a minute to iterate on the idea once it's passed to the next person. So if we were doing this together, we'd be going around and around and around until maybe, I don't know, five minutes is up, which seems like not a lot of time. But when you're trying to iterate on the person's idea, it Oh gosh, it goes by really quickly. Um, but ultimately at the end, you have something that's, it's almost like a game of telephone, but you have mm -hmm. something that's a little bit off of what you started with. And I found that it's usually so much better. And because it's nonverbal, um, that always adds to it. So brain writing, it's nonverbal, it's usually really quick um, and typically has great results. Something else that I like to do as well um, is I'll ask the team, what would be the absolute worst way to 
market this product, um, market to this audience. And the ideas that come out of that are so strong. We had one of our best performing campaigns last year come from this. Um, and it's like, what's the worst way to market toothpaste to a cat, which you would never do, I don't think, but what would it be? Um, or what's the worst way to, I don't know, um, get President Biden to to buy a Tesla, which that could be a really interesting brainstorming session in and of itself. <laughs> um, but getting people to think about the absolute worst way to get an idea in front of somebody somehow gets the best one there. So I use that one quite a bit. Um, and then celebrity is another one. So how would you get Lizzo to market this product, your product to your target audience? Or how would Batman for us like sell 911? Um, <laughs> and that also getting out of your own head helps helps a ton. Um, and I will, I do want to shout out, like there are a ton of resources if you type in, how do I run a brainstorm in Google? So much will come up and there are a million ideas out there. Um, and then the same community, Megan, that you you just referenced, somebody um, referenced a game that, I, game that I'd never heard of before called Washapig, which I checked it out there on, um, gosh, what's it called where you need money and it's crowdfunding. GoFundMe um, like or a yes, thank you. <laughs> it, they're on a GoFundMe right now, um, but it look it's basically brainstorming in a box. Um, and then another resource that I have come to love greatly is something called Pip Decks, um, and they have all these sorts of prompts that are really really valuable um, that you can do with a team um, from storytelling to brainstorming, whatever it may be. So definitely want to shout out those resources. So it's not even like brainstorming is like sitting in a room and just everybody popping out ideas. It's like, you know, basically what you're saying is gamification helps mm -hmm. kind of lead, you know, better creative minds. But what I love about the I think the yes, totally way thing is it's just like, let's think about the worst way. And somehow it leads us to the best ideas by thinking completely outside of the box. I know, uh, Andrew, in, back in September, when we were working with one of our clients and another consulting group, um, they did something that was like, let's make a thousand year plan. What do we want the impact of this to be a hundred years from now, a thousand years from now? The idea not necessarily being like, oh, this marketing campaign is going to last a hundred or a thousand years. But when we think that far outside the box, it helps to really think of ideas and impacts that we might not otherwise have thought about. 100%. And when you hear a thousand year plan, yeah. you're immediately engaged. You want to hear more about it. Yeah. Um, the campaign we use the what's the worst way to we had created a new um, messaging integration for our product duet for teams, which if you've yet used Microsoft Teams, you're hopefully familiar with how the software works. And we were like, what is the worst way to market like SMS messaging? And the idea that came up was a message in a bottle. It's absolutely the slowest way to send a message in the entire world and you'll never know if it's actually delivered and so we leaned really far on that and we actually sent out messages in a bottle to customers <laughs> to increase share of wallet and it worked um and it was such a fun campaign um and i never thought our our higher ups would would go for it but it was you know and what's so great is just in full circle roi 
it not only paid for itself, but went beyond that. And that's, you know, that's the goal. We went super creative, but we also had revenue numbers to back it up. And that, um, <laughs> we got some funny uh, anecdotes from from customers, but it was it was totally worth it. They're like a message in a bottle. They're like we're all singing the police, and we were like, yes, that's exactly <laughs> also part of it. Let's um, <laughs> exactly every everybody on who's listening to this is now going to sing that earworm for the rest of the day. So you're all welcome. <laughs> I'm putting an instrumental in in a post right now. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Oh my gosh. That's how the episode's going to start. <laughs> All right, Annabelle. So if we're putting our brainstorming into action, like let's give our listeners something that they can walk away with today. What are they going to implement today? Even if it's just one, I think you use the word snackable, which I love that phrase. One snackable little delicious morsel to take away. I think the number one thing I would implore people to do is to just be like Nike and do it. Just try brainstorming, try a different technique um, and not edit yourself when you do it. Um, and I know this is more than one, but actually gamify it. I think Andrew's the one who pointed that out, like mm-hmm. gamify it instead of just writing it down, give yourself a bit of a prompt and trust the process. Um, and then the, uh, this will be my second. If you have questions, please find me on LinkedIn. I would love to hear what works, what doesn't. Um, and then also like if something doesn't work, I'm actually kind of more interested in that. <laughs> Andrew, like let's let me fail and yeah. hear about it. Um, or if you discover a technique or like a prompt that works so well, please share. Um, so we can all steal from you and and have that be something that comes up in our own campaigns or projects. Right. Absolutely. And we're going to link some of those uh, resources that you mentioned down in the show notes below for you. If you want to go check them out, like Pip Dax or Wash a Pig, we'll link them down there for you. I just was just going to say, like, I can totally see people commenting on this on social media about different techniques that the, they're going to try. So I'm excited to see uh, other people's brainstorming techniques, too, because I know I've tried a ton of them went back when I was a teacher. So I think it's time to bring some of that stuff into the office now too. So thanks for getting my own creative juices flowing. Oh gosh, anytime. (laughs) Um, And thanks for having me. This is fantastic. I'll talk about marketing all day, every day. So um, thank you so much. We'll definitely have you back because now I bet we're going to be playing more games here in the office here. (laughs) Oh. Absolutely. We should do do an episode where we play a game on an episode. I love games in general. Um, I'm very competitive, which is probably why I'm in marketing, um, to be honest. But um, gosh, I think that that would be such a great idea. Or we just have a brainstorming. Like we pull a card from the pip deck and we're like, I don't know, what's the worst way to market or best way to market XYZ? And maybe even something we're not related to. I'd be for it. Annabelle, I gotta, I gotta ask you though, favorite game ever? Go. <laughs> um, are we talking like board game, or are we talking like playing the sticks, like Xbox? Oh, let's do, let's do both. Give me your best board game and your best video game. Okay, so my favorite video game will always be The Last of Us. Yes. Um, oh wow! Can't wait for the show to come out if it's not out already that's gonna always be a favorite um and then board game man that is tough um i i'm gonna count it i remember when um when cards against humanity first came out 
And it was like, there was no other game that anybody could play. And I think that word association, I don't know. I wasn't a marketer yet. I was still in high school, so I'm dating myself right now. But um, <laughs> it was a preview of coming attractions for sure. Yeah, so. I definitely think it really kicked off this whole idea of like a game in a box with cards. There's so many of those now too. So they really hit on something. Yeah. Okay, well, Annabelle, thank you so much for hopping on today. And um, we'll link all your uh, deets down in the show notes below if they want to reach out and let you know uh, what uh, brainstorming uh games and stuff like that have uh, helped them or not yeah absolutely <laughs> or not, or not. <laughs> thanks y'all appreciate it awesome thank you annabelle thank, thank you